Amen. All right. Hey, if you don't have your Bibles, if you didn't bring one tonight, go ahead and grab one off the back table. Somebody tell me what book we're going to be in. Jonah. Yes, I was going to say, I tried to make it easy, put things on the screen for you like that. Now, let's talk about that game for a second. Nailed it or failed it? Let's, let's, let's see who's going to be honest here. How many of you struggled not laughing when those guys failed that? Like you, you found yourself laughing at that. Okay, There's, I think there were a few more of you doing it than that, but that's good. Now, how many of you, like right as they jumped before you knew what was going to happen, you cringed a little bit because you thought they were going to fail? Anybody in here do that? There's a couple of you. Okay, I see a couple hands go up. Now, here's the reason I ask you that question, because sometimes... We laugh at things like that. I think my stand might fall over. Y'all see that? Sometimes we laugh at things like that because we lack or we struggle with, is a better way to put it, compassion. Anybody here ever struggle with compassion? Like you see something, somebody falls, somebody gets hurt, and your first instinct is to laugh at them before you say, oh, hey, are you okay? You know, I mean, you ask them eventually, but you got to laugh a little bit first. You know, I, I tell people sometimes, you know, if you fall and you hurt yourself, I'm going to take a picture and then I'm going to see if you're okay because I want to see how it turns out. Some of us, sometimes we struggle with compassion. We struggle with, with feeling for other people, with feeling their, their pain or feeling their loss or whatever it is they're going through. Um, I would dare to say those of us who laughed at those, and I'll be honest, I laughed at a lot of those, we struggle with it, okay? Now, I'm not saying you don't have compassion if you laugh at things like that. What I'm saying is sometimes it just comes out of other people easier than it does some people. And, and what we've been looking at over the last month or so is we've been looking at the book of Jonah. And where we find Jonah tonight in chapter 4, we find that Jonah is struggling with his compassion. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Jonah, this is a guy, a prophet that God came to him, said, Jonah, I want you to go to this city called Nineveh. I want you to call out my words against their evil and tell them that, that they're going to have to pay for their evil unless they repent. Does Jonah go? This is yes, this is no. Does he go? No, I got a couple nods out there. He doesn't go, he runs. And yet God is not done with Jonah. God basically chases Jonah. Jonah gets on a ship bound for Tarshish. He goes the opposite direction of where he's supposed to be. God sends a wind upon the sea, causes this storm. All this stuff happens, and then the sailors, Jonah says, hey, throw me into the sea, and this will stop. So the sailors do that, and the next thing we know is God appoints this big fish to swallow Jonah. And while Jonah's in the belly of that fish, we saw in chapter 2, he cries out to God. He is in this low point. He's in the worst possible place he could be. And that's when he finally cries out to God and says, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Save me. Rescue me. And we see God do what God does. God rescues him. Causes the fish to spit him out. Says actually in scripture, it says to vomit him up on land. I can't imagine that. You guys ever thrown up before? It's not a good feeling, is it? Can you imagine being on the other end of that and actually coming out? That's got to be nasty. But scripture tells us that, that the fish vomited Jonah up on land, and so now he goes and he does what God told him to do. He's obedient to God, and when he gets there, he shares the message God gave him, and what happens with the city of Nineveh? Do they listen or do they ignore him? They listen. Scripture tells us they actually, it says that they, they put on sackcloth and they mourn. That, that was a, a sign or a symbol that time of grieving and mourning. They actually went into a time of that, and Scripture tells us that God relented. God didn't destroy the, destroy the city like he said he was going to. And last week we found out that Jonah was kind of angry about that. 
So as we pick up in Jonah chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 5 through 11 tonight. That's exactly where we find Jonah. Now, before we go too far, I'm going to ask you the questions about the book that I ask you every week. Who do we know, or who do we believe wrote the book of Jonah? Jonah. Where do we think he was when he wrote it? We have no idea. Who do we think he wrote it to? We don't know. Scholars have researched it. We don't know. But we do have a, a good idea of when we believe it was written. When was that? Who said that? Yeah, 785 to 760 BC, somewhere in that time frame. So we, we've got a good basis of where or when we think this was written, who wrote it. We don't know the answer to those other questions, but that's okay. What we do know is that God made sure it was included in the canon of Scripture so that we have his word and we can know what happened then and what that means for us now. So tonight, I'm going to ask you guys to do what I ask you to do every week. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word. And we've got Miss Brooke is going to come up and read our passage for us tonight. Come on up here, Miss Brooke. Give you a microphone there so they can hear you. Please speak into the microphone. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 5. Is Jonah still mad? Yeah, it, it's pretty clear. It says right there in that first verse, it says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there, made shelter for himself. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. You know, I, I read that passage, and the first image I get in my head is, is like of a toddler who's gone off to pout. Now, you, you've seen this before. Some of you may still do this now. When you don't get your way with your parents, you're not happy. So you, you've seen a toddler do this, and the, they'll cross their arms, and they'll put their eyebrows down, and they'll put their lips out, and they'll get in my way, and they get angry. And that, that kind of seems what Jonah's doing here. Now, we're not told any of that in Scripture. That's totally just the picture that pops into my head when I read this. But that's the kind of reaction that we're seeing here. If you remember from last week, if you were with us, we saw last week that the problem is Jonah's expectation of what God was going to do did not line up with the experience that he actually had with God. Jonah, Jonah expected God to actually destroy this city, even though he told God last week, I know you're, an, I know you're a God who's slow to anger. I know you're a God who's merciful. But then when God actually showed that, merciful, uh, that mercy and showed that he was slow to anger, Jonah got upset. So he's kind of gone off here, and he's, he's kind of found a way for himself to pout. He's by himself. He's, he's fuming, and he's sitting there, and he's watching to see what God is going to do. 
He wants to see if God is actually going to show the mercy that God says he's going to show. It's almost like he's still holding on to this little bit of hope that God's not going to have compassion. But you see, the thing we need to pay attention to here is while Jonah is focused on what God's going to do to Nineveh and what their fate is going to be, God has turned his focus to Jonah and what God wants to do in him. And we see that as we keep reading in these verses. It says in verse 6, Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Now, stop there for a second. He's mad because God didn't destroy a city. He's glad now that he's got shade because he was hot. And it says in verse 7, But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Now in these three verses here, there's two words that get used three different times. Does anybody know what those two words are? Two words that repeat three times in those three verses. What are they? Nope. It's a good guess, though. What I hear? God what? No, not die. I'm sorry. Did you say die? I'm sorry. What's that? God provided. Some of your versions may say God provided. Some may say God appointed. But those two words show up in here three different times in those three verses. Now that goes back to an idea that we've talked about through this entire book is the idea that God is sovereign. That means God is working his will at all times. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand what he's doing, God is sovereign. We've seen it through this entire chapter, this entire book. We've seen God appoint a wind. God calls a storm. God calls the storm to stop. God calls a fish. God causes the fish to vomit Jonah up on land. And now God... God has appointed this vine, this plant to grow up. God has appointed this worm to attack the plant, to kill it. And God has appointed a scorching east wind to basically allow Jonah to be miserable for a little while. Now, we don't know. Let me stop there for a second. We don't know what kind of plant. This has been a debate for scholars for years. We don't know what kind of plant it was. We don't know what kind of worm it was. It doesn't really matter. What we know is that God is working. And we see here that as God is working, Jonah wishes for death. Jonah is angry about his temporary circumstances. And because he's angry twice now, twice, last week in the first part of of chapter 4, and now we see that Jonah has said, basically, God, I would rather die than experience what I'm experiencing right now. And in just one verse, that's a complete turnaround. You saw God raised up the plant. It gave Jonah shade and shelter, and Jonah was happy. It says he was exceedingly glad. And then as soon as that plant dies, less than 24 hours later, Jonah wants to die. See, his circumstances are determining how he responds to God. And we've got to be careful about that because sometimes we can do the exact same thing. When things are going well in our lives, when things are going the way that we kind of want them to go, when we feel like maybe we've laid out our plan and God has come in and said yes and put his stamp of approval on it and everything's working out, we like that. We're glad. We're excited. We think things are going well. And then as soon as things stop going so well, it's like, God, what are you doing? God, this is not the deal you and I worked out. God, this is not the plan that you and I had together. 
See, Jonah, what we're seeing here is we're seeing that he, he flips, flips on a dime right here. He's thankful when things are going well. He's upset when things are not going well. We've got to be careful that that doesn't happen to us because we have to remember this truth about God is that God is consistent. We've seen that throughout this entire book. Yes, there are times when there will be things going great in your life and God is taking care of you. And there's going to be times when things feel like they're going horribly wrong. But God is still taking care of you. It's the same God. He's consistent no matter what the circumstances are. And we've got to make sure that our response to God, our worship of Him, His worthiness in our life is not dependent on what He's doing for us at the time or what we feel like He's not doing for us at the time. Our worship, His worthiness remains the same no matter what's going on in our life. Jonah, Jonah lost sight of that here. He lost sight because of his situation. Things were going his way and then things changed and all of a sudden he saw God differently than the way he saw God before. You've got to make sure your view of God doesn't change because God doesn't change. God is the same God. God is consistent no matter what your circumstances. And, and let me let you in on a little secret. Most of you are pretty young. You may not have experienced this yet. You may not have had hard times in your life. You may not have had experiences that you wish you hadn't had yet. But you need to understand something. I'm not saying God causes those things, but I am saying God can use those things. God can use those things to grow you. Many bad experiences we have in our lives, they're the result of the fact that we live in a sinful, fallen world and people make bad choices. Even the best Christian in the world has a day where they make bad choices. And we suffer those consequences. But God doesn't change. God is consistent in all of that. And it may be when those times come in your life, it's not that God is necessarily causing those things to happen, but you better believe that God can use those things to grow you. God can use those things to draw you closer to himself so that maybe some point later in your life, God can use you to speak truth into somebody else's life because of your experience. Jonah's lost sight of that here. Jonah's focused on his comfort, and God's not worried about his comfort. God's worried about his compassion. Look at what it says in verse 9. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. There it is again, a third time. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should, I, should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? See, God's not so much focused on what's happening in Nineveh anymore. God is focused on what's happening in Jonah. And God is calling Jonah out in his anger. God is calling him out in the fact that he doesn't have compassion for people. He, sa he says, you care about this plant. And Jonah, you did nothing for this plant. You didn't plant it. You didn't water it. You didn't give it the sunshine that it needs, the oxygen. You did nothing. And yeah, it's great. You're happy when it's there. But when it died, why are you so angry? It's, it, and some of you may not agree with this, but I kind of look at football fans like that sometimes. You sit there and you watch a game in the stands or you watch a game in your, on your couch or your easy chair and those players are doing something great and you're cheering them on and they're awesome and as soon as they make a mistake, you're like, what are you doing? 
Anybody could have caught that pass. Well, how can you not throw that? I mean, we yell, right? Yell at the screen. Guess what? You're not even there. You didn't practice with them. You didn't train them. And they can't hear you. But that's, that's kind of what's going on here. God says, Jonah, you didn't do anything. Why are you so angry? This, that doesn't even have anything to do with you. I'm the one that took care of all of that. And, and a fun fact here, you see right here in verse 11 how God ends this chapter, this book, with a question. It's only one of two books in the entirety of Scripture where it ends with a question. It's the book of Jonah and the book of Nahum. And both of them have to do with the city of Nineveh. Something to pay attention to there. But God's saying, Jonah, this, this isn't the point. What God's trying to help him see is that Jonah's got a lack of compassion compassion there. It's something that we see displayed for people all over Scripture. We see it time and time again where God is concerned about people's souls, concerned about their eternity. There's two specific places. It's not going to be on the screen here, but I'll, I'll read it to you. In, in Acts and in Luke, in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says this, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Now here's what's going on there. Paul has come to this city and he's standing there and he's looking out over the city and he sees in this city idols, lost people, worship of other gods, a city that doesn't know the one true living God that we know from Scripture. And it tells us that his compassion, if you continue to read, his compassion moves him to action to share the gospel of Jesus with that city because they are lost and they are hurting in their sin. And in Luke, Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says, and when he drew, this is Jesus that we're talking about, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Right here, Jesus, what has happened is he's come up to Jerusalem, and as he's coming towards Jerusalem, he sees it, and he has such compassion over the fact that the people of Jerusalem, the Jewish people, the people who say they worship God, are rejecting him, the Savior. And it breaks his heart because he has compassion for the people that are far from God. And that's something that every believer should have. We should all have compassion for people who are hurting and lost in their sin. People who are stumbling around in the darkness and they don't know who Jesus is. And we're walking around as believers with the only answer that will do them any good. Scripture says we're supposed to have compassion. It says in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a whole lot of words that are basically saying, thank God that he's shown us grace and mercy and he does that so that we can show that same grace and mercy to other people. That same love. That's, that's what's happening here. The greatest affliction, as those verses talk about, the greatest affliction that anyone will ever have is to be lost and trapped in their own sin for eternity and for right now. 
And we as believers, if you sit here tonight and say, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus, I know I've been forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross and his burial and his resurrection. I know that I've been redeemed. I am made new. If you sit here tonight and you say that, then we're supposed to have compassion on people that don't know Jesus. So my question for you is this. How's your compassion tonight? What family members, what friends do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt are lost, are trapped in their sin, do not know Jesus as their Savior? How's your compassion for them? Have you taken the opportunity to share with them? Better yet, let's just start simply, have you prayed for them? Have you prayed for their salvation? Have you prayed for God to give you the opportunity to have a gospel conversation where you can introduce them to who Jesus is if you say that is the most important thing in your life? I've said this before, and I've even shown you a video, the, the comedy group Penn & Teller. I don't remember which is which, but the, the bigger guy with the glasses, I've watched a video and showed it to you guys where he actually says somebody came up to him, which, by the way, he's a professed atheist, doesn't believe in God at all. But somebody came up to him and, and shared the gospel with him, and he said that got him to thinking, how much do you have to hate someone to say that you have the most important thing anyone can ever hear and not share it with them? How much do you have to hate them for that to be a reality? So my question for you again is this. How's your compassion tonight? Are you trapped in what God's doing in your world and what's happening in your life? Or do you see people the way Jesus saw people, the way Paul saw people, the way people all over Scripture saw people, people who are in desperate need of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? We're going to stand in a minute and we're going to sing. And I have a challenge for you tonight. If there's somebody in your life, maybe a teacher, maybe a family member, maybe a friend at school, somebody that you care about, and you know they don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to challenge you to pray for them tonight. And I don't mean just stand there with your eyes open, swaying to the music. You can do that and pray right where you are. But I mean, I'm going to challenge you. Actually, take a moment, get on your knees before God and pray for him. You can do it right where you're sitting. You can come do it up here if you want to. Now, normally I tell you, don't let anybody pray alone. Right now, it's okay to spread out and not get on top of each other. And if you want myself and some of the other leaders to pray with you for that person, write your name and their name on one of those yellow cards and just drop it in the basket. You can fold it so nobody will see it so that we can help you pray that God will give you the opportunity to have a gospel conversation. How's your compassion? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come here. God, that we can spend time in your word. We can spend time together. God, I pray right now Help us not to be like Jonah. And Jonah has done great things for you, God. Jonah was your prophet. You used him, and you used him in a mighty way, God. But Jonah got focused on himself. God, help us not to do that. Help us to have compassion for those around us that don't know you. And God, I pray right now that if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you'll draw them to yourself right now. God, I pray that you brought them here tonight to be a part of this group so that they could experience a life-changing moment with you. 
And if that's you tonight and you're here and, and you've never done that, you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, I want to challenge you to write that down on that card and drop it in this basket up here because I would love to have that conversation with you. But take a moment tonight. Ask God to show you who you're supposed to have compassion on and then pray for him. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. All this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.